Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Are you frustrated by your typical hunting and fishing magazines? Are you tired of reading content meant for guys up north or in the Midwest? Don't get left behind following the guidance of guys who don't hunt and fish in your home state. Pick up a Great Days Outdoors Magazine subscription and become a better Southern outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors Magazine can be found at your local Barnes & Nobles, Books A Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rule King, Bass Pro Shops, or you can save and buy online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. This week's episode is brought to you by Texas Hunter. Since 1954, Texas Hunter Products has produced the best engineered and finest quality feeders and hunting blinds in the industry. The Texas Hunter brand has become synonymous with quality and durability. By sticking to premier standards, the company delivers tough, long-lasting products that meet the real-life needs of anglers and hunters across America. Their fish feeders, deer feeders, hunting blinds, and outdoor accessories are among the highest rated in the industry. You can trust that your purchase from Texas Hunter Products will meet your needs for generations to come. To learn more, visit TexasHunter.com. Also brought to you by Baker's Metalworks and DC Supply. Baker Metalworks and Dixie Supply offer numerous items to help you get your project done right the first time. They carry a variety of different panel profiles in your choice of colors and gauges with all the matching trim and accessories. They also offer a full line of hardware items and post-frame building designs. Their friendly and knowledgeable sales representatives are always willing to help answer any questions or concerns you may have. Contact them with any questions or get a free estimate today. Baker's Metalworks and DC Supply, your metal roofing headquarters. What's up, guys? I'm your host, Brian Sin, with the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report. Hope you guys are having a fantastic week. Hey, it's Christmas week. How can it not be fantastic, right? And uh, I hope you guys are celebrating Christmas with family and loved ones and celebrating the birth of Christ. What a great time of year this is. And I hope you guys stay safe traveling. And, and man, look, we got some major cold weather coming in. So hope you guys are all prepared for that as well. With that being said, on this week's special episode, it's going to be about choosing the best sabiki rig to make bait with Kazuki Kitajima, the director of Hayabusa USA. Now, I probably screwed, screwed that name up, but that's all right. Anyway, What we're going to be talking about today is why they're so effective uh, and what do we look for when we're choosing a sabiki rig to keep in stock in our tackle box, whether that's line type, diameter, hook size, color, flasher, bead color, anything else that you can think of. We're going to talk about it today with Kazuki. Uh, So what is the best method to work a sabiki rig? We're going to talk about all that. Stay tuned. Hope you all enjoy the show. Like I said, we'll be back with y'all in two weeks. All right, folks, let's go talk to my buddy Joe Baia at the Northwest Florida. This week, we're going to be talking about something that I've been using my whole life, but I've never really gave it any thought. You know, Joe says, hey, man, pick me up some sabikis on the way to the boat. There you go. You walk in and there's 50 different options for sabikis. So let's try and figure out the best one this week. Butch, what's going on, man? Oh, man, not a whole lot. Uh, Excited about this one, man. This is going to be a fun interview, fun segment. You know, we talk about it a pretty good bit, the importance of making bait. And you can't really stress it enough. Whatever time it takes 
to catch bait is time well spent, typically. I would much rather spend more time catching bait and go out to where I'm going to fish with a good live well of frisky baits than I would cut the bait catching short just so I can get more fishing time in with not enough live bait. There's so many times it's made the total difference in having a good catch or not. Yeah, funny story or something to add to that is I was down in the Keys finally this weekend. We got to go down and a smaller, you know, shorter trip. I was taking the wife with me. I wanted her to get to see the backcountry, the mangroves and whatnot. And uh, he's like, we got a little bit of a run this morning. I was like, no problem. He's like, I'm going to take a little more time to catch some bait. And I was like, this is the guy I want to fish with. Right. I knew right off the bat. I was like, fill her up, Cap. Yeah. And he was like, you know, he made a few casts and we chummed some up, some pilchards up. And he's like, nah, I don't think we got enough. I was like, make one more. Let's make sure we got enough. So, right. yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, you're sitting out there more often than not going, all right, this is the last one. Who wants to live bait? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's not where you want to be. So I agree it, with you. It's so important. The the guys that we bring on here week after week after week, they they focus big time on making sure they've got good bait uh it's very important if you're not spending more you know a good amount of time thinking about bait then you you should if you're struggling to catch fish one of the ways it's super popular to catch bait is with sabiki rigs and if you go to your local tackle shop you're going to see a ton of different colors a ton of different line classes a ton of different line types a ton of different skins and beads and hooks hook colors hooks hook colors uh materials it it just seems like the options are endless today we're going to try to sort out everything you need to think about so that you can pick a good sabiki next time you head out on the water or pick several all right and to do that this week we're talking with kazuki kitajima he is the director of hayabusa usa kazuki welcome to the podcast uh First off, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and a little bit of background about what you do with Hayabusa. Hey guys, well, thank you for having me. So my name is Kazuki. Uh, I've joined the company about four or five years ago. Um, I actually do lots of uh, bass fishing and uh, that's what I do, like our bass fishing, bass fishing tournament. And they were one of my sponsors, but uh, they offered me this position five, four or five years ago. So that's how I started working uh, with the company. But uh, I've been to Japan. I've been known Hayabusa for like 10, 15 years. Uh, I used to live in Florida. I used to live in Miami and Orlando area. And I used to fish Miami's uh, offshore, like deep sea fishing and stuff. So I, I have a few, a little bit of background in the saltwater fishing, not as much as you guys do. But I, with that background information i learned a lot about sabiki in the headquarter and uh, with the people working here now so hopefully i can uh, share some stuff that you guys didn't know so oh yeah absolutely man we're looking forward to it so um you know most of our people are going to be listening to this for saltwater applications but i'm i don't think that i've ever heard of it used in a freshwater application so what what do you use it for over there well actually for saltwater, they they use it to catch baits. Uh, I've heard lots of people using uh, uh, catfish baits. Uh, it's uh. called skipjack, and they use sabiki for that. Uh, that's probably the the most popular one for salt freshwater sabiki. Also, some people use like ice fishing, uh, like catching smelt and stuff. Ah, they use a cool. little bitty sabiki for that. That's really really popular uh, sabiki in Japan as well. Ah, very cool. Very cool. I know. Like Butch Same and I, principle then. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's all about catching bait. I mean, and, and gosh, I mean, Butch, I, I feel like I've been using sabikis as long as I've been fishing. Um, no doubt. But I really don't know that much about them. I've always just kind of like, yeah, it's a sabiki rig. I mean, just that's what you use it for. You use it to catch bait. Kazuki, what are the origins of it? Like, how did this come about? Where did they originate? And uh, tell me a little bit about the history of the sabiki rig. Sure. Uh, the, the origin is actually pretty much nobody knows. Uh, I've asked so many people about it. I've looked up, <laughs> up online and stuff. There is no definite answer for that. Uh, but the, we know that this rigs, the very similar rigs, uh, it's been there back in like 1890, way wow. back. Wow. Uh, they were using it, those type of rigs, but they were all handmade. Uh, they were making it by themselves, by hand. But uh, Hayabusa's founder, uh, Hayato Tajiri, he started manufacturing Sabik rig in the mass production. His, his mission was to be able to offer a product that people just use it and very easily and like efficiently, conveniently. That was his mission. So the Sabiki really, really matched his thought about it. And that was in like 1970. So that's how the whole Sabiki thing kind of started getting really popular. Well, I'm, I'm glad he did it because I can yeah, hardly, you know, saved like many trips for me. Yeah. I, I just think like, you know, when I am catching bait on a sabiki, like it's hard enough for me sometimes just to keep everything in line, get the baits off, get it back in the water. I can't imagine having to tie one of those things up, but mm, think about, oh my gosh. you know, tying a two hook rig takes a little bit of time. Imagine tying six little sabiki rigs on, right. and, uh, you know, six little hooks and all the little flashers that, I'm glad I don't have to make my own sabiki rig. Happy. For sure, for that, sure. that is money well spent, no doubt about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Why why are they so effective, do you think? I mean, is it the flash? Is it the amount of, of flash that's there? What is it that makes sabiki so effective? We believe sabiki just look like the bait that whatever they are feeding on. Uh, sometimes they would probably look like little shrimp. Sometimes they'll look like little minnows or little bait uh, looking or some even plankton kind of thing. You know, it's it's kind of hard. I have to ask fish for that answer, but that's how we <laughs> that's how we think that's that's why they are sort of feeding on those uh, sabiki thing. And of course, having multiple hooks on in one rig is way more efficient catching bait. So yeah. I think too, like, you, you know, having those multiple hooks, I can think of times where, you know, you get one bait on and it seems like that one bait being on kind of inspires oh, yeah. the rest of the school mm-hmm. to come up and check out sure. that rig. And well, it does the jigging for you too. That one little bait wiggling on there jigs your rig for you. Yeah. And it's moving it all around. And right. Yep. Like we talk about with amberjack fishing, that school Same mentality, thing. they get excited and mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that's always I've always struggled with is is just picking out which sabiki to use. I've got some that have worked well for me over the years, um, and I and I don't really know why. I just know they have, and so those are the ones I buy. And I, I you know, I go to the store, and those are the ones I buy. And I see all these other types of sabikis out there, and I wonder, like, wh- what are the applications, and do I need to put some of these in my tackle box? So today we want to break down what we need to look into when we're choosing some sabikis uh to keep in the tackle box i mean do you think there is a definable way to choose hook sizes and colors and beads for particular types of bait fish or is it more just a trial and error process for where you're fishing and the type of bait you're trying to catch 
I would say it's it's way more like try and error thing. Um, and, and it's kind of, we've been selling sabiki in the US for over 20 years. So local shop, local anglers, they already done try and error. So whatever is selling at the local shop, that's what people are using, what the people are catching sabiki on. So that's probably the easiest way to go with sabiki. But wow. you can always go extra miles get, trying to catch more sabiki than other anglers. So that's probably something I can probably share with you how to choose colors and stuff. Yeah. That's so a great think, point. Yeah. I think I never had thought about it that way that, you know, the, the tackle shop isn't going to keep buying sabikis that aren't selling. Right. Right. And the sabikis that aren't selling are the ones that people aren't catching bait on. So eventually mm-hmm. they, it kind of works itself out. Um, so that being said, when we go to our local tackle shop and we're looking at the sabiki selection, there's still a lot to choose from. Yeah. Um, why the difference in, in line diameters and line type? Is that because of the strength of the bait fish or is that for more of a finesse approach trying to hide that line? Like if somebody is having trouble catching bait, like do they want to always drop down in line class or sometimes maybe choosing like fluorocarbon versus monofilament the right way to go? I would say, uh, as, as far as choosing sabiki, you know, the biggest thing is trying to find out the size of your targeted fish or targeted bait fish and, and go from there. Like you have to have big enough or strong enough line or hands hooks to catch those baits. And that's how you start. Uh, usually if the bait is tainted is bigger, you want to start around size eight, size 10, maybe. But that's that's uh, how you start it, and then when you want to try to catch when you, when you try one sabiki and not catch some fish, you'd probably want to try different skins, a uh, fish skin, different color, different type. That's probably how we change. Um, usually, catching bait fish uh, uh, less uh, smaller diameter of line and stuff like that. It may work, but it's probably give you more risk of losing fish and, and stuff like that. So I would change different skin color or maybe different bees color. And that's it. Go from there. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting to me because my natural, I guess my default mentality when I'm trying to get a bite, like I know fish are there mm-hmm. and I'm trying to get them to bite my natural mentality is to drop line class you know i'm fishing Mm -hmm. with 80 pound tests so i'm going to drop to 60 or 40 Mm -hmm. to try to get that bite try to hide that bait but what i'm hearing you say is before you take that step look at the color of i call it the flasher you're calling it the the skin i mean Mm -hmm. i've heard some people call it the fly i mean but basically change the color first then start maybe decreasing line size or even hook size Right, because we're talking about catching bait right now. Uh, so I don't think bait fish are that smart, <laughs> yeah. I would say. So changing probably the colors are probably the better way uh, uh, than uh, changing the line diameters. Gotcha. It's, yeah. not like, it's not like a bigger fish trying to target fish. So. Right. Well, especially like the hook, you know, the hook size and the line size, that's pretty easy to figure out if you're, you know, sending down the super small fly on the eight or 10 pound fluorocarbon and you're getting wrecked. Well, you probably need to go up or if you're bending Mm -hmm. those little hooks, you probably Mm -hmm. need to go up to get those bigger bait fish. Mm -hmm. That's great advice. So 
again, you know, just to recap what you're saying, focus on color first. Uh, well, really focus on the type of bait fish you're going to catch. If you're catching hardtails, you know, which are going to, you're going to require a stronger, bigger sabiki than probably go if ahead and start a little bigger catching there. cigar mm-hmm. minnows, you know, mm-hmm. you can, but then if you're, if you're on bait, not getting the bite, change your color up before you start dropping down in, in line class. Is there anything else to think about when it comes to uh, the style and the colors and the hooks? I've noticed some, some use gold hooks, some use uh, bronze hooks. Like, do you think that that gold flash can play into that color too? Yes, I, I definitely think so. Uh, some some anglers like certain colors better than others. But um, before going to, over the colors, uh, we use different type of fish skin uh, on those on the skin. And I, you have to you have to know that uh, not every company use the real fish skin. So it definitely makes difference when you see that in the water. Uh, it, the real fish skin has more natural action to it. It's got really nice, flashy uh, skin on top and the coating and stuff. So that's a big difference. But for the fish skin, there are two different, two main things. Uh, one is called hage skin. Uh, you've probably seen it on the on the package. Mm-hmm. Hage is um, it's 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 out of of uh trigger fish uh in japan huh. and so this this hage skin is more stiffer uh than the other ones uh the other one called uh saba which is macro skin uh so the the hage hage kawa hage skin is more stiffer uh it lasts longer and the other ones uh macro skin uh, saba skin is more natural it, it and it's more soft so you can use two different types. Uh, you can choose two different types of fish skin uh, depending on what you're trying to catch. And also the, the bees. The bees has different color, usually red or chartreuse, like a mm, green looking thing. A little thing. green color, yeah. Right, right. Sometimes red works better. Red actually turns to black in the water real quick. Uh, so it, it may look kind of like we we think it kind of look like the eye of the fish, uh-huh. uh, and that that may be sometimes better. Uh, sometimes they want to look brighter color, like in muddier water or cloudy condition, or even at night you may want to go to uh, luminance colors uh, that that's really bright in, at night, and those kind of things. It's kind of like a choosing lure or jigs colors uh it's just, it's the same deal yeah. you just want to try brighter color in that darker condition and more natural color in clear condition all great points so i'm going to be honest uh, butch i want you to be honest too here did you know, know exactly what you were, were going to say out of out of real no fish i did skin? not <laughs> no, I, didn't. I already knew <laughs> you were going to say that no, all the no thousands idea. and thousands of sabiki rigs i've tied on in my life yeah. i had no idea that that was real fish skin on there that is very cool uh, but at then, least like said, at least for hayabusa yeah yeah, yeah have, well and yeah. that's interesting because you know hayabusa are the speakies i've all, this the reason we ask you guys to be on those are the ones that we've always chosen um over the yep. years and i didn't know why they worked better and maybe that had something to do with it uh sure. but they sense. just did i mean we we would fish them right next to others and and we just had best our best luck with hayabusa speakies and so that's mm-hmm. really i hadn't put much more thought into it than that these work so i use mm-hmm. them but i had no idea and so that is something that uh, it's one of the fun things about diving off deep into these things that we use every day mm-hmm. and take for granted is 
you don't really know that much about them. And yeah, I had no idea. So Hage and Saba. So mm-hmm. when you're choosing between the two, is is the Hage going to be better for those bigger, tougher bait fish? I mean, is that why you yes. want to choose them? That's that's correct. It lasts longer too. Great. Interesting. Very interesting. So the other thing that I've noticed is mm-hmm. Butch can put down a Sabiki rig. I can put down a Sabiki rig, same mm-hmm. exact type. And I just, I'll fish them every single time. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, right. I must be doing something right in terms of working the Sabiki rig. Is there a best method? Is it a trial and error thing? Or do you guys have a recommended way to fish a Sabiki rig? The basic way is to just put the up and down motion on, on the sabiki. And that's just a very basic way. Uh, sometimes you may want to just let it sit. Sometimes you may want to lift it a little higher. So it, it all depends on the situation wise. But the one thing I can tell you is that even, even when you get the bite, you don't want to reel it in real first. You just have, you want to wait till the others base to come, come get it. Like, like you were mentioning, when the bait fish see other fish are tangling in that thing, they just go nuts. You know, all the fish mm-hmm. goes nuts and try to eat other other sabikis. So you just want to wait until you think that you get you got like multiple fish in one rig. That's a great point. And the other thing I want to ask you about too is um, is actually bringing them in. Like, so once you've got your sabiki full, mm-hmm. I have had trouble over the years from time to time, like getting that full stringer in without having, mm. you know, a lot of them get, Oh, it's an that. art to not have a severe cluster situation. Yeah. So keeping them untangled and all that, do you have any advice for once you, once you got some baits on getting them to the boat without breaking them off, without letting them get tangled up? Um, any advice there? I would recommend using the heavier sinker, two ounce, one ounce, depending on how deep you're fishing, but the heavier sinker helps to, you know, straighten up the brig. When you use lighter sinker, the, the fish can easily move around and that, that, that goes to tangling and stuff. So when you have a heavier sinker, it's hard for the fish to go up and down. So, you know, Kazuki, I don't put a whole lot of thought into sabikis anymore just because I kind of have found the ones that work for me and those are the ones I get and I just go do my thing. And I'm more thinking about uh, the fish I'm trying to catch with the bait I'm catching with sabiki. So, I, I mean, but I got to ask you, you know, this has been around since the 1800s and uh, you guys got anything mm-hmm. new uh, coming up? We do. Actually, there's, there are three things I want to mention. One thing, it, it's not new, new. Uh, it's been around uh, a few years in the U.S. already, but long, a lot longer in Japan is uh, UV sabiki, uh, ultraviolet uh, color sabiki. I don't know if you were familiar about you how UV works in the water, but it it really attract fish for that UV colors. It it's been said that UV colors can reach in like six hundred feet of water, so fish really loves UV colors in the water, and we do have a sabiki with a UV color on it, and it's been really popular in Japan, but in the U.S., not many people knows about it yet, and and this hasn't taken off, but if you're trying to find something extra step for sabiki, that's something you definitely want to try. Yeah, it it definitely catch fish. Always got to have a few secrets in your pocket. <laughs> Anything to get that edge. Yeah. Yep. And also another thing is we start sell, uh, selling some vertical jig, like slow pit jig, uh, yeah. knife style jig. Some, uh, something's called jack eye slow and jack eye switch. We also sell uh, assist hooks 
as well. Uh, that's been really popular in Japan and starts selling pretty good in, in Florida and, and the West Coast as well. Uh, that's something definitely you guys want to check out as well. And also one of the last thing is uh, something called jigging sabiki. It's, it's just a mix of sabiki and jig. Uh, it's got the shorter reader, leaders, about 23, 24 inches leader. It's got two sabiki on it. And you got the, at the end, you have a small casting jig, uh, like a 20 to 80 gram jigs on it. So people in Japan, they are casting these jigs from shore or from the boat and catch all kinds of fish. Uh, the, 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 the line is like 20 to 50 pound test line, depending on the, which size you choose. But you, you, know, you can catch many different species of this, like anything, like from amberjack, sponge mackerel, to anything, like even rockfish and stuff like that. Yeah, but a snap. I bet a red snapper would hammer it too. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Now, so when, I want to ask you a little bit more about that. The the jigging sabiki. Does it actually have like small sabiki hooks on it, or is it more all the hooks are bigger, like you know, like a jig? Yeah, the hooks are hooks are a little uh, way bigger than sabikis. Yeah, so it's basically a couple of uh, it's it's the idea of one jig's good, three jigs mm -hmm. is better. Right, pretty much. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, if yeah. it works for small fish, why wouldn't it work for big fish? I mean, that, mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense. Very cool. Well, man, I, I we have really enjoyed having you on, learning more about something that we uh, we all kind of can tend to take for granted. If folks mm -hmm. do want to look you guys up online or or try to find, you know, Hayabusa Sabiki's retail, how, what do you recommend they do to maybe go check out all the different sizes you have, the different colors you have, uh, the different materials you're using, whether it's the saba or the hage mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. where do you recommend they go uh we, i recommend to go to our website it's called it's hayabusafishing.com it's all one word hayabusa fishing uh it's got you can order uh any sabiki model we have we carries in the us uh and then it's got all the information what kind of line test what kind of scheme you use that's probably the good resource you can find it also, we, we also list a sabiki size chart, uh, sabiki hook chart. Like, you know, we use Japan size hook size. So like number six and number eight, number 10. So the bigger the numbers, the bigger the hooks. Uh, some people get confused with the US size or European size with the, with our size, but we have a chart size chart online uh, on our website that you can check out and, and see what size to choose. And, and um, the best way probably is for the local people to, to go is our local shop, local shop uh, in your area. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, they carry the best selling, the best probably catching sabiki in that area. Uh, it, it changes depend on the area. So it's very funny to go to the local store and you can kind of find right away what they use because that's, that's what they sell. So that's probably the best way to go first. But if you want to go extra miles, with Sabiki, it's our our website is a really good resource to go with. That's awesome, Kazuki. It's been a lot of fun having you on and 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 talking about this. Really appreciate you joining us, and uh, yeah, just thanks a lot, man. No problem. Thank you very much. I'm really enjoying it. Thank you for having me. Man, that was cool. What a lot of things that I had no idea about. I've only been using them for what like thirty years. Right. <laughs> had no idea. Very cool, man. What'd you take away? Well, uh, one thing I took away that's interesting is, you know, Hayabusa, like I mentioned earlier, is those are just the sabikis that have always worked well for us. We use the Seagar mm -hmm. Hayabusa 
sabiki. Now that I know that it's real fish skin, it's the hage. That's got to make a difference. It's it's the hage, you know, that we use uh, have always had success with the green beet. They are they do make green and red beads, and some people say the red works better for like some of the sardines. herrings and sardines mm-hmm. and things. And um, but I've always liked the green beet on the cigar fluorocarbon. So you know, if you're looking for those at the store, it's orange package orange package says, cigar says cigar and hayabusa on it they work together yeah. they use cigar fluorocarbon to make those and those have always worked well but i mean i just i want to know who's responsible for filleting all those little trigger fish to put on there no doubt I, you know they're little like maybe they can make the big ones and cut them into small little triangles <laughs> but either way that's how it's being done. but either way that sounds terrible <laughs> but they work so we appreciate their efforts all right uh, man, one thing that he stuck that he said that stuck out to me was, you know, he's like, whenever you're fishing, I mean, gosh, we talk about it every week and I kind of felt a little dumb, um, you know, talking about overcast as far as color of lure, water clarity, right. color of lure, cloud cover, top water, whatever, you know, we're always talking about color of lure and conditions. I've never tried a different color sabiki if it was cloudy or if uh, it was at night or if it was sunny or if the right. water was very clear or if the water was muddy it's fishing you're you're just right. catching a different kind of fish so that made me feel a little dumb but there's an option out there and it's a good idea like say it's a good idea to have several different types in the tackle box go through that trial and error process but i i really like how kazuki broke it down with sizing size it to the bait you're after from there focus first on color of the skin color of the hook color of the bead and then lastly drop down on line class maybe think about fluorocarbon versus mono 17 pound mainline versus 10 pound mainline all those other things that would have i would have reversed that order if i was guessing um so it was good to hear him break it down that way it'll make it a lot easier to go to the store and pick one out now and he said again all these things you don't really think about but you don't have to overthink it either like if it's at your local tackle shop it works right it's probably working for something that you need to catch also something he said that had never crossed my mind before i know that red loses his color after what eight or ten feet i think it is something so that. that red bead goes to black and that makes sense you know could be eyes. It could be looking like eyes down there on that fly. So that's cool, man. I learned a lot. That was a fun segment. It was. End of another great segment. Well, let's take a couple more minutes and hear from some more of this week's sponsors. This segment was brought to you by Fish Bites. For more than 20 years, anglers everywhere have come to know one thing, that nothing says no to Fish Bites. We are the Fish Bites Nation, and this is your invitation. So grab some Fish Bites and get busy casting because you can't join the nation without doing the catching. Ask for Fish Bites or Fish Club Lures or visit fishbites.com. And brought to you by Hilton's Real-Time Navigator. The days of heading out and blindly looking for good fishing areas pretty much over. Don't waste time and money on fuel searching for fish. You need the most recent highest resolution images to not only know where to go, but where not to go. The knowledge provided by today's technology is critical when planning an offshore fishing trip. Make the choice that the professional captains all over the Gulf of Mexico make and choose Hilton's Real-Time Navigator. The easy-to-use interface and excellent customer service will have you on the fish every time you go. Check it out at Hilton'sOffshore.com. And brought to you by Mallard Bay Outdoors. 
MallardBay.com is the Airbnb-style marketplace for discovering and booking your next guided hunting and fishing adventures. The Mallard Bay platform was built by sportsmen for sportsmen. Their mission is to help expand access to affordable and successful hunting by connecting you with verified outfitters across the U.S. You can browse trips and prices by state or species, select the dates you'd like to go, message outfitters, and secure your dates all from one platform, mallardbay.com. Not sure where you want to go yet? Reach out on Instagram or Facebook, and they can help you find your dream hunt. All right, folks, this week for our third report, we got a special report for you. We're going to talk to Seakeeper, kind of uh, introducing the Seakeeper ride, which is an incredible uh, trim tab system. They don't even want to call it trim tabs because it's even way beyond that. It'll make your ride way better on your boat. And uh, let's just learn more about it. We'll talk to my buddy Joe over at the Northwest Florida Fishing Report to get more details. Butch, I'm excited to learn a little bit more about what we're going to be talking about today. And this is something that potentially could replace your trim tabs. All, I mean, it maybe just replace trim tabs altogether. For forever. Yeah. Coming from a company that's already proven itself in the world of boat stabilization, and that's Seakeeper. Uh, this week, we're talking with Kelsey Barrett, and she's going to be explaining uh, what you can expect from the Seakeeper ride system. Well, Kelsey, welcome to the podcast. Uh, first off, Tell everybody a little bit about what you do over at Seakeeper. Sure. Uh, thanks for having me. My name is Kelsey Barrett. I'm the Director of Marketing at Seakeeper. Um, I've been with the company for uh, just about five years now, focusing on what our um, product has been and everybody is aware of is the, the gyroscope. We just launched actually in August our newest product called Seakeeper Ride. So I am now working on uh, launching that brand and, and really introducing our newest product to the marketplace. Well, I, uh, I got a little story to tell and, you know, I have never fallen out of a boat, um, ever, uh, until, except for one time I did fall out of a boat and I can honestly say it was not my fault. <laughs> my, we were in Mobile Bay, triple tail fishing. We were, it was a glass calm day and I was standing on the bow. We were running from spot to spot and my dad was in the tower and he was playing with our trim tabs and I don't know what he was doing. I don't know if this was, he was getting me back for years and years of, of pain and anguish Torture. that I caused him. I don't know, but for some reason he punched one trim tab too, too far and the boat lurched hard to starboard and just ejected me out of the boat <laughs> going like 30 miles an hour. Luckily, Nobody was harmed. Uh, everything was fine. Got back in the boat, cussed my dad a little bit, but <laughs> I was fine. But when I first saw the Seakeeper ride, I thought, man, this is going to change the game because we spend so much time fiddling with trim tabs, so much time trying to get it right. Never feel like we have it quite right. Don't exactly know what we're doing. And then every once in a while, you just throw somebody out of a boat if you don't know what you're doing. Uh, <laughs> but I thought, man, these things are going to be awesome if they're anything close to the level of quality that, you know, the gyroscopes you guys make are. It's just going to be awesome for smaller boats that that run trim tabs. So yep. why, why did you guys create this? I mean, uh, it's not something that you automatically say, you know what, I need this necessarily. Um, but why did you create it? Uh, to help your dad, really. Yeah. That's exactly why we did it. Um, so Seakeeper as a whole, our, our goal has been to 
um, drastically change the voting experience for the better, make it more comfortable, make it more intuitive, um, bring new people into the industry, and ultimately just give everybody a better experience. You know, the voting industry is often so set in its ways, and we are a company of innovation. And so, like you said, the the experience you feel when you're on a boat with the gyro is like a wow, immediate difference. Um, and we were not going to bring another product to to the industry unless it was going to give you that exact same feeling. And so so it actually took us um, a few years and a lot of money to pour into this to make sure that it had that wow experience. Um, and we actually did have a product a couple of years back that we tried it and it worked and it did improve the voting experience, but didn't give that wow. And we went back to the drawing board. Um, and then as soon as we got that product and we were so happy with how it performed, it was like, well, it wasn't going to be affordable. So then we had to go back and resource all the different parts and pieces to make sure that not only were we offering the best product on the market in terms of performance, but also one that was going to be affordable for people who have you know, boats up to 35 feet. So the videos that I've seen online, I've looked up a couple of things on your website and, uh, you know, YouTube videos of people testing them out down there in Fort Myer around that area. I mean, it seems as if, you know, you get the boat up on plane. It has some, it has some, you know, functions to do with that as well, but it basically seems like it takes the majority of the pitch and roll out of the boat in those videos. Tell us a little bit about how it works. Right. So yeah, that's what it's going to do is eliminate up to 70% of pitch and roll underway. It also uh, helps eliminate the that yaw motion or the porpoising that you can experience while you're moving. So at about 20 knots or so, it's really going to kick in. Um, it, it's transom mounted. So it if you think of how trim tabs work, your boat has to be moving. They don't do anything for you while you're at rest. Um, and, and as a trim tab pushes down into the water, it is it, it's almost like it's creating lift. So it's pushing down on the water and it's lifting the back of your transom. And so our product is also a transom mounted system. And that's about the only similarity it has with trim tabs. The, the way that it works is, and the reason it's better than, you know, your dad manually (laughs) messing around with, with the trim tab buttons is people can't be as fast as our system can be. So we're making a hundred adjustments a second. And we do that by taking a thousand measurements every second. So there are sensors in the software module that gets installed in your helm. That is communicating through our distribution module, which also is what connects to the batteries and whatnot and makes the the blades move. So it's got a, a curved or a rotary blade and a rotary actuator that allow the blades to dip into the water that fast. Um, and, and that speed, we had to basically do a ton of tests to figure out how fast is your boat moving in response to wave action or motions on the water? And then we have to respond faster. So we're going to make those changes before you ever feel them. So the, the product does a lot of things. One, as you mentioned, is the uh, elimination of that pitch roll and yaw underway. The other things are list and level control. So think about you know when you're running 30 miles an hour and somebody scoots across to a different seat on board to talk to somebody or open the cooler, you usually adjust your trim tabs to, to account for that motion. Now, imagine if that guy walked across and you never felt it at all. And that's what our product will do. 
it auto trims um, and corrects your trim during your whole shot. So at any given point in time, you don't lose sight of the horizon, which makes it a little bit more safe and more comfortable for the driver um, and just keeps your trim at a preset um, level through what, what we're calling our trim command curve, which you can customize to your own preferences. Um, and then coordinated turn. So you take a really sharp turn, you feel the gunnel bank kind of all the way to the water, feels a little bit like you're going to tumble out the side. We actually have the ability to correct that entirely and make it so you don't list at all. And we tried it and it felt wildly unnatural, um, almost <laughs> like you were going to get ejected the other direction. So what wow. we did was basically adjust the settings so that in a turn, we're taking out about 50% of that bank. So you feel the turn, you lean with the turn, but it feels a lot more comfortable. So it does all of those things packaged into, you know, just one little system that's on your transom and doesn't take up much space or, or power requirements. So you were talking about whole shot and that makes me think, you know, like this is going to be one of those things like my son, he's, I've got two sons, one's four, one's almost two. And this is going to be a technology that they're going to have like their whole entire upbringing, yeah. you know, right. and, yeah. and I'm going to be able to be like, yeah, so you don't know about the good old days, son. That's Whenever right. we used Back to in my day, boy. plane the boat off the, the youngins had to get up on the bow, you know, and that was how we got the boat planed off. So, but I want to go back to whole shot. Does it decrease your whole shot? Yeah, it's going to, it's going to actually increase your decrease your time to plane and increase right. your speed more more quickly and efficiently. So you'll get up on plane faster and without ever losing that side of the horizon. So you just, you, you see what's in front of you while you're trying to get on plane, which I think is something we're all used to experiencing, yeah. losing that ability to see for a couple seconds. And, you know, we just kind of deal with it, whereas we fixed that. And, yeah. and it's one of those things that you almost don't realize it's a problem until you see the fix. And then you see the fix and you think, why did nobody ever do How this? How did I live without this? Yeah. Right. I well, just I mean, was blindly just launching into a boat and and no one was trying to stop that. So we fixed that problem. Well, and not only like you say, I mean, is this going to make making those turns more comfortable? It's going to be, it's going to make choppy weather, choppy conditions uh, more comfortable. But if you're going to be able to decrease that whole shot, it's going to help you in shallow draft situations. Water so it's not, it's not just yeah. a rough water thing that it's going to help you out with. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I had turning to, I had turning on my list to mention to you. I know I, there's several times on my on my boat where I've had them, you know, dug in and in, in kind of choppy conditions or in and or got into calmer conditions and went around a turn. And it does. It feels like it's going to launch you out of that thing, especially with bigger trim tabs on a smaller center console. So I definitely like the idea of that. I run a lot of rivers and you know blind bends and bends and things like that. Uh, you mentioned power. Tell us a little bit about how what kind of power requirements uh, does this thing uh, require. It is a seven to 10 amp draw max. So it wow. is, I mean, virtually nothing when you compare it to some other things on board and the fact that it's only drawing power while you're running. So your engine's charging your batteries, which is running your system and power is not even going to be a consideration really. Non-issue. Yep. You mentioned that they're transom mounted, but you also mentioned the, uh, the sensor. How, how is it installed? Is this going to be a you know, professional installation? Is it only going to be available on certain boats, certain types of boats, or, or even, you know, like, is that sensor, does it have to hook up to some type of a multifunction display? Or is it something that could be run on a boat that doesn't even have a multifunction display? 
it will need to be connected to a boat that has an MFD um, compatible with Raymarine, Furuno, Garmin, Simrad, uh, all, all the big name brands um, that, that most people have. So you will need to have that, that MFD set up. Um, the software module is real small. I would call it two by three-ish inches. We do have the actual specs on our website, um, but it's a pretty small, just little box that gets installed. Um, that that connects into your MFD and then into that distribution module, which again is not very big, um, and that's kind of the communications hub that connects everything through a proprietary canvas. Um, and then the system is actually um, adhesive to the transom. So if you if you have trim tab pockets, you will have to glass those over. So it does need to be on a flat surface. Um, which is doable. We've done that before on some of our our test boats, so that works out fine. Um, and then uh, there is only just one uh, through hole through the hull to connect those, since they're actually we use plexus in most of our adhesive applications. There's only one hole going through, so you're not drilling a bunch of holes in your boat, which I know nobody everybody cringes every time you have to do that. So the product just launched in August, on August first, actually. So it's brand new to the market. And we launched with three launch partners, Sportsman Boats, Scout Boats, and Chris Craft Boats. So currently, the product is available on applicably sized models from those brands. And we've got, you know, we're in conversations with builders who are actually changing their molds in order to accommodate the product. So you'll see it on more boats, uh, more new boats as we go forward. And then um, give us just a little bit of time. It's really just an inventory thing. We've got to ramp up our inventory. Uh, We're sold out of inventory at the moment through those three builders. Um, But then it's going to be offered uh, aftermarket for refits and even uh, DIY applications, um, which is something new for for Seakeeper as a company. Obviously, we don't allow people to install the gyro by themselves because it's massive and heavy. Um, for a regular person. Um, but these are, you could pick up the box with one hand and and take it to your boat and do the installation. If you have uh, the wherewithal to be using Plexus and, and doing those sort of installations. So you'll be able to buy them directly from us and install them yourselves if you're, if you're able to. Very cool, man. I, I cannot wait Old. to see how this goes. Also cannot wait to get on a boat that has these installed and feel it for myself. I mean, I've seen the videos online and watched it. And if it does everything you say it's going to do, I think my, my thinking is that this is just going to become the new standard, you know, bye-bye trim tabs, but we shall see, I suppose if folks want to follow along with you guys and hear about, okay, it's out, you know, we got more inventory and it's available for, uh, these DIY applications or these retrofits, um, or they want to go online and see these videos we're talking about and see all the testing that you guys have done and uh, really how this product works and the benefits it provides. What's the best place for them to go? Uh, ride.seakeeper.com is our website. Um, if you go to seakeeper.com, you'll see both products and you can click into it or go straight to ride.seakeeper.com. You can follow us on Instagram at seakeeper.ride. Um, and we've got all of our videos and things up there for you to check out. There is an email list you can find on our website and sign up to be the first to know when the product is available for aftermarket refits or DIY installations. Um, and hopefully, uh, pending that I do my job correctly, everybody will be very aware when the product is available because I, I plan to be shouting it from the rooftops. We've um, We were at the Fort Lauderdale Boat Show a few weeks back in October, and it was 
totally different experience for me, actually having so many people come up, like opening their wallets, ready to buy the product right. um, sight unseen, having never been on a boat with it. And I had to say, I'm so sorry. I, right. I don't have any for you. So I know that there's a lot of people really itching um, to get it. And we're doing our best to, to ramp up inventory to make that possible. And like you said, I would love to get you guys on a boat. So we will, we will do our best to make that happen. Uh, we're ready. So y'all, y'all just let us know and we will let our listeners know as well uh, when it's time. And uh, very cool, Kelsey. Thanks for joining us today, telling us a little bit more about it. And yeah, thanks for uh, having me. We'll be looking forward to seeing how it progresses. Awesome. Thanks so much. Butch, I feel like this is going to be one of those things where, you know, 10 years from now, everybody's going to be like, yeah, I mean, well, number one, it's going to be just about on every boat, probably. I would think so. But yeah. the, other, the other thing is, it's going to be like the shallow water anchor on the back of your boat or the yeah. spotlight trolling motor on the front of your boat. Like you just, once you experience it, I I just, I just feel like it's going to be one of those things that you just don't want to do without. Can't uh, go back. There's no I, way. I, I just, just from watching the videos, I feel that way. I cannot wait to experience it myself. It's hard to think about how good that could be. I mean, right. I can think of several instances. Whenever Kelsey was talking, the first thing that came to my mind was Luke Barton in his 26 Mako. Um, he had a refit with the tower up top and it, it just changed the whole feel of the boat, you know, the right. uh, the whole shot, the ride and everything. And he was really battling with his trim tabs. Last time I was up there trying to get it right. And man, he can just fish. Right. I, I can think of 10 different examples right now in my boat. I was taking Lillian and actually I think it was Luke. He was down here not too long ago and it was probably three or four foot seas in the bay between here and Dog River. And the only way to make it even semi-comfortable was tab all the way down and get on top doing 40. Right. And uh, it was tricky. And this, man, you could just hammer down and really you could, I mean, it opens up a world of opportunities as far as, you know, we talk about all the time about being near shore and close to shore. I mean, there wouldn't even be an issue to go in two or three foot. Well, that's what, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It's like, it doesn't have to make it like it's flat out there. Right. If, it, if it can take a three foot, See and make it feel like a two foot sea. That's a big deal on big difference. Most of the boats that people own, you know, yep. and you know, if it can take a, a kind of uncomfortable day and make it a, a fishable day, like that's going to make a lot more days on the water and just get a lot more utility out of your boat. I mean, think about on the Dorado, man. How many times have you and I been in the tower? Cobia fishing, you know, looking and it's just kind of like, man, this is just not that fun. There's just, yeah. The boat's just not quite big enough for this tower to be in a little too rolly. Yeah. And yeah, you get my big butt up in there and rolls the wrong way. And you're like, is this the one, you know, is this yeah. the one that's taking me over? So yeah, yeah it's going to be cool to see how it all pans out, man. I can't wait to experience it. I'm going to be first on the list. Y'all get, get behind me. All right, guys, let's take a couple minutes and hear from some of this week's sponsors. L&M Marine has something for everyone, from small hunting boats, pontoon boats, to bigger bay boats, offshore boats, and hybrids. L&M Marine LLC prides itself on its customer service and knows how important it is to be taken care of and to have someone you can trust. They are locally owned and regularly support the community. L&M Marine provides superior customer service and has an entire team that consists of professional sales members, financial experts, service technicians, and a knowledgeable parts and accessory staff to support you. Go visit their friendly, reliable, and experienced staff now locally owned six miles north of I-10 on 34600 Highway 59 in Stapleton, Alabama, or call 251-937-1380. And brought to you by MB Ranch King Hunting Blinds and Feeders are built to last right here in the USA. 
With durability and convenience in mind, MB Ranch King's maintenance-free blinds are built and constructed with high-grade steel and come in a variety of sizes to meet any hunter's needs. We also offer high-quality, easy-to-use corn and protein feeders that can be filled with both feet on the ground. Call Kevin today for more information or get a quote at 205-807-2937. MB Ranch King, built in the pursuit of perfection. Also brought to you by... The all-new Alabama Fishing Show is coming to Gaston, Alabama at the venue at Coosa Landing on George Wallace Drive, March the 10th through the 12th. The only true fishing show in Alabama, featuring all things fresh and salt water. If you fish, don't miss the latest fishing gear, equipment, apparel, custom tackle, lures, rods and reels, and electronics, and guides. March the 10th through the 12th, $10 for adults, $8 for kids, 5 and under are free, Tickets are available online or at the door. Free parking. Learn more at alabamafishingshow.com. We hope to see you there. All right, guys. Welcome back to the show. Man, great, great day today. Uh, loved having all of our guests on. Man, the, the fishing is, hey, crappie fishing down in Eufaula. I mean, it ain't the best. It may not be the best time of the year, but, they, but man, old Tony's still down there loading the boat up, filling that cooler up every time he goes. And uh, Logan on Lake Martin, I mean, he's catching. It sounds like the fishing's just getting better and better there this time of year. And, uh, man, how about that last segment? This this high school thing has blown up, and uh, it's great to see, man. It is great to see this many kids getting involved in a sport that we all love. And it just uh, it bids well for the future of angling that's for sure so that is going to be a wrap for this week's show guys hope you've enjoyed the podcast today please take a minute and subscribe rate and leave us a review wherever you listen and if you'd like us to email you the podcast all you have to do is text the word fishing to 314-665-1767 and we will email you the show each and every week be sure and go check us out on our Facebook page, uh, Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report, and uh, follow us there as well for updates and and all kind of good information. You know how it is. We just put all kind of good stuff out there for you. Anyway, you guys have a great rest of the week. Look forward to coming to y'all again next week. Until then, be safe. This week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by Southeastern Pond Management. If you want to grow big fish or healthier fish or just get your lake in better shape, call Southeastern Pond Management. You can call Norman Latona. Check them out on sepond.com. And by Killer Dock. Killer Dock combines durability, function, and design to uniquely upgrade your entire dock experience. Visit KillerDock.com to check out the greatest fish cleaning station known to mankind. And by Bucks Island. Bucks Island has been in business since 1948 for all of your new and used boat needs, as well as motor sales and services, and now they have a pro-level tackle store. Boat and motor trade-ins are welcome. Visit them online at BucksIslands.com or give them a call at 256-442-2588. And Botanist Defense is proud to offer the PD Pro line of night vision systems. These ultralight night vision systems deliver the cleanest image, best resolution, best overall performance and function 
of any night vision system available. Photonist Defense, Masters of Darkness. And by OutdoorAlabama.com. That's where I learned the basics of how to hunt and fish, including what's in season and which license to buy. Learn more at OutdoorAlabama.com. Go hunt. Go fish. Get outdoors. This message was brought to you by the Alabama Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. And by United Bank. United Bank supports our farmers with financial products and services designed specifically for agribusiness. United Bank is building stronger communities every day. Learn more at unitedbank.com. All loans subject to credit approval, equal housing opportunity lender, member FDIC. And by northalabama.org. Are you looking for a real adventure? Whether you're experienced or just a weekend angler looking to land the big one, North Alabama is the place to go for your next fishing expedition. For more information, visit www.northalabama.org and click on Plan to download a North Alabama fishing guide.